So we are in the series In Christ, week three of In Christ. And we are looking at the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is broken up into two main sections. You have the first three chapters, and you have the second three chapters. And there's a clear break in the middle, in, in the beginning of that fourth chapter where the theme switches. But right now we're in this first theme, in, in the first three chapters. And the theme of the first three chapters are, is centered around finding out who we are in Christ. And hence the the title of this series, In Christ. Who are we in Christ? Those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, what has he done for us and in us? And who does God declare that we are in his word? And and in the beginning of the series, in the first chapter, the Apostle Paul writes and tells us that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings that are found in Christ Jesus. And so the idea of this series is that we are looking at the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, what he has provided for us. And, and so we looked at, at the blessing of being adopted into the family of God, that, that we were not his children, that we were the enemies of the cross, that we were not a part of his family, but, be, but because of faith in Christ, he adopts us into his family. And then we looked last week at the, at the power of redemption and forgiveness, and that the, the, the spiritual blessing of God redeeming us and buying us back out of the slave market of sin, and then forgiving our sins, forgiving our sins, that our sins are forgiven and forgotten. And so those are the first two spiritual blessings we looked at, and this week we're going to look at our third spiritual blessing, and it is the spiritual blessing of our incorruptible inheritance, our incorruptible inheritance. How many of you believe that you're going to receive an inheritance in this earth. I'm, I'm, you know, that, 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 that's heaven. You guys thought I was talking about heaven right there. If you're, a, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to receive an inheritance forever in heaven. And Brother Freddie was talking about that during the prayer time. But how many of you believe you're going to receive an inheritance this side of heaven? Are you going to receive an inheritance this side of heaven? All right, you guys, I got, you, man, you guys, my introduction is not working. <laughs> like, is somebody going to leave you some money when they die? You think that's, you think that's going to happen? Maybe some of you, has it happened for you? Yeah? No, maybe. You're waiting on it? Waiting on it with patience? The Bible says in the book of Romans that we need to wait for our spiritual, inher- our spiritual inheritance, our redemption. We wait for it with patience. Some of you, are you waiting for your earthly inheritance with patience? Maybe, you know, inheritances uh, can often be fought for. I'm sure some of you have experienced that. A loved one dies and people fight over the inheritance and it's got to be split multiple ways and you got all these emotions and feelings at play and it just gets nasty, right? And ugly between families. Shouldn't be that way, but, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And earthly inheritances, you know, can be fought over or can, or can be eagerly waited for. But we know that earthly inheritances rot and decay, and, 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 and they do not last forever. They are corruptible. The things that you may inherit, you may inherit money, you may inherit possessions, houses, and land, and, and vehicles, and stuff. But how many of you know that stuff breaks, stuff gets stolen, stuff gets used up, the money that's in your bank account that you might have inherited, you go through it, you spend it, you use it, and it's gone. It's a corruptible inheritance. But what we're going to look at in Ephesians is that we don't receive a corruptible inheritance in Christ. We receive, a, we receive in Christ an incorruptible inheritance. 
And so what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at four aspects of our inheritance that we receive this incorruptible inheritance in Christ. So let's look at the text in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained, have obtained. Say that with me. Say, have obtained. We've got it. If you're in Christ, if you're in him, you've obtained an inheritance. We're going to look at what we have obtained. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we're going to unpack that section of scripture here. So what are the elements of our inheritance in Christ? The first one we see in Ephesians 1.11. Let's go to Ephesians 1.11 here. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. And so the first inheritance we have obtained by being found in Christ, by placing our faith in Christ, number one is this. We have obtained very great and precious promises. Very great and precious promises promises we as believers when we place our faith in Christ and we are redeemed we are forgiven we are adopted into his family right right now right here in this present earth we have access to very great and precious promises second corinthians 120 says this it says for all the promises of God find their yes in who in him all the promises of God so God says I have all these promises And the yes to the promises are found in Christ. They're not found in your ability to obtain the promises. They're not found in in your ability to be good enough, righteous, righteous enough, to be patient enough, to be kind enough. They, they are the, the yes to the promises. God says, I have all these wonderful promises and I will lavish them on you in, in my grace and in my love. But the yes to them are in him are found in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Access to the promises of God are found only in Christ. In Christ, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So it's in Christ that God has placed his seal of approval. Those that are in agreement with the Father, listen to this, those that are in agreement with the Father as to who Jesus is, and what he did on the cross can now have complete access to all of God's promises. And here's the key verse about the promises of God. Second Peter 1, 3-4 says this. His divine power has granted to us all things. All things. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So how do we have access to, to, to the all, all the things we need that pertain to life and godliness? It says here, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. That's the first part of our inheritance, precious and very great promises so that through, the, through them, through the promises, you might, you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Has anybody ever broken a promise to you? Oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we get promises broken all the time. Parents break promises. 
I got my little precious girl right here. I don't break promises to you, do I? Sometimes, no, I try not to, right? Sometimes we can make promises and then schedules can change our promises. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way, right? But we break our promises. Politicians, do they break their promises? All the time. They, this is what I believe about politicians. I don't talk about politics because my, my place is to preach the gospel. But I am aware of what goes on around the world and in America with politicians. And this is my view of politicians. They put their finger in the wind. Whichever direction it blows. Okay, well, I'll talk about this now. And they'll say whatever they want to say to get your vote, to get your approval. And they will break their promises. Not all politicians, but the majority of them, right? That's our experience. Promises are broken by people. But we have a God who does not break his promises. He doesn't break his promises. And why does God not break his promises? Because God is not like man. God is not like man. Politicians break their promises. Parents break their promises. Friends break their promises. Those in authority can often break their promises. But God. It's not like man who breaks promises. He is faithful because faithfulness is what defines his character. He is faithful because faithfulness is what defines his character. And so we want to look at real quickly, what are some of the promises that we have been given? What what, what is our inheritance in Christ? And so I've just chosen just a couple to look at that really highlight the, the part of our inheritance. The first promise, one of the promises I want to look at is this, is that God will complete the work he started in you. Amen. Philippians 1.6 says this, the Apostle Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he, Christ Jesus, God the Father, who has begun a good work in you, will bring it to completion. That is a part of your inheritance of being found in Christ. You have access to the promise that God is with you. And that, and that when you got saved, you didn't have it all worked out, did you? You, 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 didn't, you weren't walking in all the fruit of the Spirit yet. You didn't have all of it figured out yet. But, but we have a promise from God that what he started in you, he's going to complete it. He's going he's gonna to be patient with you. He's going to be kind with you. He's going to hold you by the hand. He's going to walk with you on your spiritual journey as you, as you pursue him. He, wants, he is committed to you being conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's committed. That's a promise. And that's good news for all of us who, do, who make mistakes. That's great news to know that part of my inheritance in Christ is that he's committed to me. And he's going to finish the work. I don't care what I look like right now. You can look at your neighbor and say, look at me right now, but I'm not a finished product. I'm not a finished product. I'm going to look different next week. Look at your neighbor. Just look around at your neighbor to your right, your left, behind you. Look at them. Get a good look. Check them out. Next week, they might be different. And why are they going to be different? Not because they tried hard enough, but because of the promise of Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that the work that God started, he's going to complete it. And that work is a process. It takes time. We don't become like Christ overnight. It takes time. I love that promise. Another promise that I really love is this, that God will not leave us or forsake us. And I love where that promise is spoken. Deuteronomy 31, you got Moses who is retired. He's gone. He's passed on. And and now it's the Joshua generation. And Joshua is is the new leader of the nation of Israel. And listen to what God promises him. Then Moses summoned Joshua. And said to him, this is in Deuteronomy 31. And Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, 
be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful inheritance. So I want to tell you, in the things that God has called you to do, when you are walking in his will, according to his plan, you can rest on the promise that God will not leave you, and he will not forsake you, and he will equip you to do everything that he has called you to do. Do you believe that? He will equip you. That is, that, is, that is my inheritance. That is your inheritance if you are in Christ. What God was calling Joshua to do to lead the nation of Israel, the Lord was telling him, I will be with you. Don't be fearful. Don't be dismayed. Don't be overwhelmed. The job that God's given you, the calling he's given you, the responsibilities he's given you, you can rest in the promise of your inheritance that the Lord is with you. And another promise that we have that's a part of our inheritance is that God will cause all things to work together for our good. Romans 8.28 says that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We have a promise from God that whatever the situation, whatever the pain, the trial, or suffering, he is working his plan in the middle of it. His plan is for us to be more like Christ and for us to glorify his name through our Christ-likeness. And so God will take each and every situation that you face, doesn't matter how painful it is or difficult it is, if you are in Christ, you have a promise from him that he will take all of those things and work it together for your good, for your Christ-likeness, and ultimately for his glory. So you will glorify him through your situation. Those are promises from God. The last promise I want to look at before we move on to the next part of our inheritance is this, is that God's love will always find us. It's a great promise. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else. that, That means everything. Anything else in all creation will be able To separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If we are in Christ Jesus, if we belong to him, we've been adopted, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we're his children, we can know that nothing will separate us from his love. No calamity, no trial, no pain, no suffering, no persecution. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And that is good news. And that is a promise that we have in Christ. It is our inheritance belongs to you. And that's what it, that's what it means. I, I love how Paul said this. He says, in him, in verse 11, says, in him we have obtained. It's ours. These promises are yours from the moment of your salvation. And that was just four of them I looked at. You go through scripture, there are, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of promises of God's word that we can have access to because we are in him. And, and that is the inheritance that we have obtained right now. We have access to very great and precious promises. Amen? Amen. Second aspect of our inheritance is this, is that we have obtained the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Ephesians 1.13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So what's the prerequisite for the Holy Spirit? You've heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him. So who gets the Holy Spirit? Believers 
get the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. It says here, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, Jesus made a crazy statement to his disciples before, this is after, this is after he has been crucified and, 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 and he tells them he's going to be um, going away and, and they don't understand and they're confused and they're like, this is not good for you to go away. But he reminds them that if he doesn't go away, the comforter is not going to come. And listen to what he says here. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus had to go away so he would send the promised Holy Spirit to be the source of strength and power in the lives of believers. And I just, I've got a list here. And I'm going to read a couple of them. But we're going to put the list up there. This is, this is the work that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. And I have it printed. I had Chuck print it for me. And there's 27 on this piece of paper. And they're at guest services. And next to all of the, the Holy Spirit ministries, the things that he does in the life of the believer, there's scripture references there. So if you want to study further about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer... If you're interested in deeper study, go to guest services after service. Pick up this paper and go home and read what he does and read, read, read what the scripture says. And go through all 27 of them. And, and when you're done, you'll realize that it was advantageous for the Lord to go away so he would send the helper. Let's just look at what the Holy Spirit does. He adopts. We've talked about that. He baptizes. He calls to ministry. He convicts. He empowers. He fills. He guarantees. He guards. He helps. He illuminates. What does it mean that he illuminates? He illuminates scripture. I count on this every week. When I'm in God's word and I'm studying God's word to prepare a message to preach to you, I'm saying, Lord, I need you to illuminate your word. Bring it alive in my heart. Help me to understand what your word says. And I am desperate for the Holy Spirit's work every single day that I'm in my office studying that God would illuminate his word through the power of his spirit so I could understand it and so I can articulate it to you. He illuminates. He indwells. He intercedes. He leads. He leads. Who's been led by the Holy Spirit? You know, some of you, when you first got saved, you didn't know what it meant to be led by the, by the Holy Spirit. You thought maybe it was something really strange. But I want to give you an example, a personal example in my life of being led by the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, you don't really know you're being led until later on you realize, I was led. Thank the Lord for sending your spirit to lead me. But this is when Estelle and I were dating, Christmas Eve. So this would have been 2002, approximately. Uh, because we got married in 2003. And so I was coming from uh, Troop C area, uh, headed towards Homa. So that would be, that would be uh, West Main. And I'm coming this direction, and I'm headed towards, well, excuse me, I've got to take it back. I'm on Highway 90, and I have a, a decision to make on Highway 90. Am I going to take the 24 exit, or am I going to go to 311? 311 was a quicker exit because her parents live uh, off of Bayou Black, so I would have taken 311, Savannah, gone to, to Bayou Black. Clearly the quicker route, right? For those who know the area, that'd be the quicker route. But I get to the 24 exit, and I'm just compelled. Like, why do I want to do this? So I just turned on the 24 exit, and I just went down. 
So I'm driving down. I'm trying to figure out why am I doing this. I'm just driving. And, and uh, so all of a sudden, uh, I think the Dollar General is still there. It's on the right side. There's a Dollar General. And I'm driving, and I see ahead of me, there's no traffic. It's Christmas Eve. No one is out right now. It's just me driving. And I see a, a little baby in a diaper. And so, like, if this is the, the, the white line that's on, on the median, she's right here. Her feet are hanging over the line into the street. She's standing there. And she just starts walking, she starts walking across the street in a diaper. She, she must have been two years old. And so I pull over real quick, and I go, and I run, and I, and I grab her. And she was going towards the bayou side. She was going to cross the road and go, and the bayou is right over there. So I go and I grab her, I pick her up. I'm like, what do I do with this baby? She had a dirty diaper too. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do with this child? And so I'm just kind of looking around. There's nobody out. And so I go, I go to the nearest house on, on this side that, I, that was there. I knocked on the door. I said, do you know who this baby is? And, and come to find out they did and they knew where she was supposed to be at. And so we connected her there. I don't know what, what would have happened. I don't know if she would have gone to the bayou. I don't know if a car would have come and not seen her and hit her. But I'm convinced Holy Spirit led me on Highway 90 to take that 24 exit. And, and, and that's, that's, you see, like, don't over-spiritualize it. Don't go up to somebody and say, I'm being led right now. No, just, just do what you do. And, and look, sometimes you're not being led. And you might make a fool of yourself. Sometimes you feel like I'm being led to say stuff. Maybe you shouldn't be saying stuff that you feel led to say. But... The Lord will, it'll prove out whether you're being led. You trust the Lord. But that's a, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's, that, that, that's what he gives us. He leads us. He provides spiritual character. He reminds us. How many, there's too many times to recount that, uh, of, of the times he has reminded me of his truth, of the truth of his word. I can't tell you the times I'm, while I'm up here preaching. I'm, I'm up here preaching and I'm just, I've prepared the message and, 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 and I say things. I have no idea where that came from. Like, what, God, where did that come from? And that's just the Holy Spirit that is working and, and helping me to say things that I didn't necessarily plan to say, but it fits in with what God is saying here, that he reminds us, he reveals truth, he sanctifies, he seals, he sins, he strengthens, he teaches, he gives spiritual gifts. He is the source of wisdom, and he brings unity to the body of Christ. And then he produces fruit. Galatians 5, the nine fruits of the Spirit, we have Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He produces those fruits in our lives. That is our inheritance. We have obtained great and very precious promises, but we've also obtained the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know what's powerful about the Holy Spirit's work? Do you remember in the book of Acts chapter 2? Who was it that stood up to preach in Acts 2? The day of Pentecost, this is when the Holy Spirit comes. And begins his ministry in the church. Who spoke? It's Peter, right? What did Peter do before he spoke? Before, all, before Jesus died and was resurrected, what was Peter doing? He was hiding. He was a coward. He was lying about his knowledge of Christ. They looked at Peter. A little, a little girl looked at Peter and says, you look like him and you talk like him. Surely you're with this Jesus. And Peter, Peter denied it with a curse word. That's Peter. He's preaching the gospel. A few days later, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? That's the Holy Spirit's work. 
the Holy Spirit comes in and redeems and restores and, and empowers and gifts and calls and set Peter up. He stood up and, 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 and he declares boldly, listen to what Peter said in Acts 2, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice. Every time I read that, I think, what a contrast. Low whispers about Jesus in his denial. But what did he do here? Infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, he lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan of God. You, listen to this, listen to the boldness. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter and the rest of the apostles, they they said, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. And what happened? 3,000 people got saved because of that Holy Spirit-filled message from a man that was a weak, intimidated coward. God changed him, revived him, empowered him, and that is the same Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you if you're in Christ. That is your inheritance. You have the indwelling work of the Spirit. So I want to tell you in the areas that you are called to, you have that same Spirit in you. You do not have to be intimidated by anybody, by the enemy, by people on your job, that try to intimidate you about the gospel, you don't have to be intimidated. You can speak with love and compassion, but you can speak with boldness. You can speak the truth of God that has changed your life. And that same spirit that lived in Peter lives in you. It is your inheritance in Christ. And he's called us to be bold like Peter was. To share what God has done in our life. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the inheritance of those who belong to Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives to convict us, to mature us, to strengthen and sustain us, and to use us to boldly proclaim the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. That is the the next element of our inheritance. We have great and precious promises. And secondly, we have the indwelling work of the Spirit. And thirdly, we will obtain glory incorruptible. We will obtain glory incorruptible. And that's what Brother Freddie was talking about during the prayer time. We will obtain glory and it is incorruptible. We will obtain an inheritance that will not fade away. Ephesians 1, let's go back to the text. And I love the language here. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it. Until... So what, was, what, what did he say earlier in the first verse we covered? We've obtained it. And that's what we talked about. The great and precious promises and the indwelling work of the Spirit. But then he says, there's something you haven't obtained yet. And we know we have not obtained it yet. We live in a crazy world. We live in a world where you, where you look around and you think, Lord, even so, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bring redemption. We look at pain and suffering. I, I know a lot of you probably heard the story of the family that was in that car accident in Delaware. Did anybody hear that story? Anybody else? Nobody? Yeah, I know some of y'all watched the news more than me. You had to have heard it. Tragic accident. 
had a family, a husband and a wife, and four, four girls, four daughters. And the four daughters and the, the husband, the father, were killed, and only the mom survived. The 20-year-old girl, 17-year-old girl, and two twin 13-year-old girls. Tragedy. You look and you think, God, when is there going to be redemption? When will things be set right? And the promise of Scripture, as Freddie read it, as we're going to look at it, is that we will obtain an incorruptible inheritance. And all the things that are wrong will be made right. And it says in Romans 8 that, that, that creation is groaning for redemption. And we groan for redemption. We groan to have no more tears. To have no more cancer. To have no more loss of loved ones. To have no more, no, no, no more financial struggle. To have peace. Lasting peace in this earth. But we know it's not coming this side of heaven. But we know that we will obtain and acquire possession of an incorruptible inheritance. First Peter verses one, uh, chapter 1, 3 through 5 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that which does not fade away. This is so good. Where is that inheritance? It is reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. What does that mean? Reserved in heaven. Has anybody ever gone to a will call? You know what a will call is? Very strange. A will call. What does it even mean? A will call. But you know what a will call is, right? Maybe, maybe somebody bought you some tickets to an event and they told you go to will call and get the tickets. Well, what is the access to your inheritance of tickets that somebody paid for you? What do you have to do when you go up to will call? What, what, what was the only thing they need to know? Your name. You can get up there and you can tell them your name. And if, if, if your name is not connected to the inheritance of those tickets, you won't get the tickets. They're not going to be yours. And you can tell them, I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll, I'll work for it. I'll I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do to get those tickets. It's not going to be yours because they're not paid for. And the same is true for us in Christ. We go to the will call, and when we we, we walk up there on that day, and you say your name, it's, it's Ben Bufkin, redeemed of God, adopted into the family of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're gonna they're gonna give me the the the, the, the tickets for my inheritance, and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna receive my eternal inheritance that, were, that was reserved for me because I'm in Christ. Did I pay for them? No, I, I, I didn't pay for them. Somebody else paid for them. Was it because I was good enough? Was it because I was perfectly righteous? No, Jesus was perfectly righteous. Was it because I was perfectly obedient? No, it was because Jesus was perfectly obedient. Was it because I made atonement for my sins? No, it's because Jesus atoned for my sins. And he, sinned, he sent me, he sends me to the eternal will call. And he says, those tickets are there for you because you placed your faith in my atoning work on the cross. And all you got to give is your name. Just give your name. God has reserved a place for you. Living in this broken, sin-cursed world is a daily reminder that our final redemption is still to come. It reminds us that God's promises will ultimately have their fulfillment. Listen to this. God's promises will ultimately have their fulfillment in a place that does not look anything like we have ever seen 
with failing eyes. He remind, it's a daily reminder that what we have stored up for us in heaven is nothing like what we've seen. John 14, Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And there, and that's where I am with you, and it, that, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I love it. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. What's the way to get your eternal ticket at the will call? It's through Jesus Christ. The only way to have your tickets reserved, the only way to have your place paid for is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father. You don't walk up to will call if it hasn't been paid for first. It's got to be paid for. It's been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus, but you lay hold of it through faith in the finished work of the cross. Romans eight eighteen says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So I do look around and I see the brokenness and I see the pain and I see things that are undone, that are not right, that are out of place and, and it, causes me, it causes me frustration and grief and pain and sorrow. But I know that the sufferings of this life pale in comparison to the glory that will be revealed to us. And that's our inheritance. It is an inheritance incorruptible. We have very great and precious promises. And we have the indwelling work of the Spirit in our life. And, and that's what we have obtained, but we will obtain. One day there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. And we will receive our incorruptible inheritance. And we wait for it with patience. The last element of our inheritance as we close the message is this. Let's go back to the text. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Read over it again. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Last phrase, to the praise of his glory. The last element of our inheritance is number four. We inherit the privilege of living for his glory. Did you, you guys get that? That is an inheritance that you have if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you can't live for the glory of Christ. If you don't belong to him, you can't glorify him. We have been given the privilege to glorify the name of Jesus. We inherit that privilege. Look, every person that's ever lived is created in the image of God. And they glorify him by being made in his image. That's why every life is precious. That's why we believe in the sanctity of human life and we fight for the unborn because every life glorifies God because they're made in his image. But not every life inherits the privilege of glorifying the name of Jesus. Only those that are found in him. And if you're in him, you have the privilege of glorifying him. Of honoring him with your life in everything that you do. In everything that you do, you have the privilege of pointing people to Christ. You know, the end of your Christian life, the, the point of your Christian life is not the very great and precious promises. The point of your Christian life is not the Holy Spirit working inside of you. That's not the ultimate goal of your life. The ultimate person of goal of the life of a believer is to glorify God. 
It's to glorify Christ. That is the reason we exist. The ultimate purpose of God's redemptive work in our life does not find its end with us receiving his promises. And some people want to make that to be Christianity. They want to make Christianity to be that the culmination of our Christian experiences is just receiving promises. If that's all that Christianity is, if it's just us receiving promises, then we, we have severely missed the point. The purpose of the promises of God being revealed in our life is so that our life can shine the glory of Christ all around us so people can see a life that's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ultimate purpose is centered around spiritually dead people being called back to life and then in turn spending the rest of their lives bringing glory to the one who graciously moved on their behalf. That's the purpose of life. That's why we exist. God's work in our life in the middle of suffering, his work in our life to conform us into the image of Christ, his faithful work in our life is ultimately not about us. It is about us living the life he gave us for his praise and glory. You know, a lot of people's favorite section of scripture is is Psalm 23. There's great promises in Psalms 23. And they're beautiful promises. But I I want you to catch something here. Psalm 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here come some promises. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. What a great promise. He's my shepherd that does that. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But why? Why does he restore our soul? Why does he lead lead us in paths of righteousness? To walk in ways that honor him. Why does he do all the good things he does for us? For his name's sake. So that others would see what he has done in me. And that they would glorify God. Because of what they see in me and in you. That's the point. And that, listen friends, that's our inheritance. If you're in Christ, that is a part of your inheritance. You have inherited the privilege of shining the light of the gospel and glorifying him. 1 Corinthians 10 says, Whatever we, whether we eat or drink, or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever we do, do all for the glory of God in our marriages. Husbands and wives, glorify God in your marriage. Glorify God in your marriage by being patient, by being kind, by being gentle, by, by forgiving when your spouse doesn't deserve the forgiveness. Glorify God in your marriage with your children, with our children. Lord, help us to glorify you with our children, to point them in the ways of Christ in all that we do in our marriage and our children, on our job. God, help us on our jobs to glorify you, that everything that I do, the hard work that I do. You know, I was thinking about, we have some men that have been coming and volunteering their time building the set for VBS. And I've been seeing them every day for the last two weeks coming And you guys are going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed next Sunday. It's not going to look like this behind me. We're going to have a big old ship. We're going to have a lighthouse. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be beautiful. But man, I've been watching these men work. I'm just amazed. But you know what they're doing? They're glorifying God with their work. You should see the detail that you're going to see next week. All the detail, the intricate things they've done with this styrofoam ship. They're glorifying God in their work. And when you see it next week, you're going to glorify God. And that's what it means in everything that we do with our coworkers, with our relatives, in our community, 
in the church, when you serve in the church, when you open the doors, when you hand out the flyers, when you play the drums or the bass or you sing or whatever area you serve in at church, you do it all for the glory of God. Everything is done for his glory and that is our privilege. That is our inheritance. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's adopted us. He's given us great, precious, very great and precious promises. He's indwelled us with his Holy Spirit to conform us into the image of Christ. And you know what he does? He says, I'm calling you. Hear me. I'm calling you to live a life not for your glory, not for your purposes, not for you. I'm calling you to live a life for me and for my glory so others will see you and they'll see how good God is. And they'll see the glory of God in your life. That's what he's called you to. So what I want to do as we end is I want you to stand to your feet with me and I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want to pray that God would help me to glorify him in whatever I do. I want us to pray together. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to pray with me. Can you pray together with me? I just... I just feel like doing this. So you, you can do it if, if you feel led to do it by the Lord to do this. But I'm going to do this and, and I invite you, if, if you're willing, I invite you to join me. I'm, I'm going to kneel on the ground and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to kneel and pray. And I want you to join me if you feel led. And we're going to pray that the Lord would use us to glorify him. The, the, the purpose and the posture of kneeling is a, it's a posture of surrender. It's an outward reflection of a the inward surrendered heart. And so, Lord, we posture ourselves in a place of surrender. And first of all, Lord, we thank you for the inheritance that we have obtained in Christ. That we who are in Christ, who are believers in you, we have obtained very great and precious promises. That you'll never leave us or forsake us. That you are with us. That you are working in us and you're perfecting us and working us and changing us. We thank you that you will complete the work you've started. And God, I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit that aids that work, that is the convictor of sin, that, is, that leads and guides us and reminds us of your truth. God, we thank you for that work of your Holy Spirit that matures us, grows us, leads us, guides us, empowers us. And God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the, the not, not, not only the inheritance of the Holy Spirit's work, God, but you have given us the inheritance of, of, of the privilege of glorifying your name. God, what a great privilege that you've called us in everything that we do, God, to glorify you. God, I pray that you'd help us in the things that are preached and said, the times that we serve at church, to, in, in our marriages, with our kids, on our jobs, everywhere that we go. God, I pray, God, that you'd help us to glorify you in everything that we do. God, we humbly submit to you as your servants, God, we say that we're willing to be used by you to point others to Christ. Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing in all of our lives. And God, I pray that it will always be done for the praise and the glory of your name. I thank you for each and every person here. God, I pray for those that don't know you. God, I pray that there's some here that don't know you. Lord, I pray that this message would withdraw them to surrender to you. I pray that they would surrender to Christ. They would follow you. God, I pray for all of us, Lord, that have followed you. I pray that you would 
strengthen us on this journey. Lord, we need your grace and your strength and your power. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.